In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That portion of the Word of God that we shall read and consider this evening, the Holy Ghost has caused to be recorded in St. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, where we read as follows in Jesus' name. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. These are your words, Holy Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, it is easy to figure out that there is a God, a creator and ruler over all that exists. Just look at what God has made. You know somebody had to make it, and that's God. Look at your conscience, and you know there's a law. The lawgiver is God. We call this the natural knowledge of God. We know there is a God from his creation and from his law, and there are several other proofs for God's existence. So we can prove that God exists. We can know that he is, but we don't know who he is until he reveals himself to us. God doesn't think the way we think. So when we, by our own reason and powers, try to figure out God, we'll always end up making an idol. This is what I would do if I were God, and so I make my own God who conforms to the way I think, but making your own God is idolatry. And the natural knowledge of God always results in idolatry because men don't think like God thinks. God must reveal himself. He must show us who he is, what he's like, how he thinks, what he promises, what he gives. He must show us we can't figure him out. Christmas is God showing himself to us as he really is. God is glorious. He is above all things. He lives in that unapproachable light. He's holy, sinless, righteous. He is almighty. God's glory is nothing like man's glory. Man's glory is like the flower of the field that blooms today and fades tomorrow. But God's glory is eternal. It does not fade away. It cannot be undone. It distinguishes God from his creation 
as we say, to God alone be the glory. God is glorious and he's not impressed with the glory of men. Money, fame, power, prestige, popularity do not define a man. They are but shallow trappings that obscure what he really is. When God made man, male and female, in his own image, they were like God. And then Adam fell into sin and all his progeny fell with him. We have all fallen short of God's glory, so we can't bear to see it. We can only shrink away from it and hide it. We cover ourselves, try to keep it from blinding us, overwhelming us, destroying us. So when God's angel, who lived in God's glory, spoke to the shepherds, they were terrified. And that wasn't just because of the fear of the unknown. No, it was the fear of divine judgment. God's glory destroys sinners, does it not? But see what God does. He reveals his glory in the incarnation of his son. The word became flesh. He reveals his glory not to punish sinners, but to save them from their sins. He reveals his glory to lowly shepherds, working stiffs with no status, little money, and whose only boast that first Christmas was the grace that God showed to them. God didn't show himself to the big shots, the high and mighty, the powerful and glorious. No, he revealed his divine glory to men that the world ignores as insignificant. It is to them that he announces his peace and goodwill. That angel was speaking to nobodies when he said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Unto you, Unto you who have no status, no wealth, nothing to mark you as successful or wise or holding a coveted position in society. Unto you whose only qualification for a Savior is your own sin. He is born to you. Advent ended this morning. Christmas begins this evening. Advent is sorrow over sin. It is preparation for God's grace. It is leveling the highway in the desert, blasting it apart, tearing down all the idols that would capture and hold our affections so that we stand helpless before our God because it's only when we are helpless that we can receive him. When we feel in our conscience the pain of guilt that the glory of God's perfect law reveals, he tells us, don't be afraid, because God's Son did not come into this world to condemn the world, but that we might be saved through him. Your selfishness, your unjust anger, your lust, your hatred, your pride, your rebellion, your idolatry, all these combine to create your own little idol God 
who will justify your sins for you. Yes, he will. He'll turn your sins into virtues. Your man-made God won't show you your sin. He's not going to call you to repent, and he isn't going to forgive you either. He issues no proclamation of universal peace and goodwill. No, he puts the onus on you to establish your own peace and manufacture your own goodwill by your own powers. But the true God reveals himself in Christ, his only begotten Son, who was begotten of the Father from eternity and in time was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. The eternal God became a little baby boy. That little baby boy is the Almighty God. And that's why we say that Mary is the mother of God. Because the baby she bore was and is God. It's not as if she gave birth to a baby who later became God, as if a man can become God. No. God entered her womb and became a zygote, an embryo, a fetus, a little baby boy. And she gave birth to God as the Council of Ephesus at the Council of Ephesus, the church confessed her to be Theotokos. Pastor Preuss used that word in the sermon the other day, so maybe you'll remember it. Theotokos, which, which is uh, a Greek for God-bearer. The child she had was God. Now, God tells us through his messenger where Christ is to be found. Look for the signs. Because if you don't have the right signs, you're not going to find him. If you have the right signs, you will. Now, we find God in Christ, and we find Christ in the signs that God has chosen. Now, for the shepherds, it's clear. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. But that doesn't make sense, does it? If I were God, I'd make a grand entrance. I would choose as signs impressive sights that would capture the attention of the crowd and wow people into showing an interest in my coming. I certainly wouldn't choose swaddling clothes and a manger. A manger is where cattle feed. That's no place for God to lay his infant head. It makes no sense. So let's look for other signs that signify what we're really looking for, says the idolater. When I was a boy, my parents didn't say anything good or bad about Santa Claus. He never gave us presents. We got presents from the troll and from the little old lady behind the hill. So I had no prejudice one way or another about Santa Claus. But I learned one day that for some, the sign of Santa is very sacred. And woe to the one who denies. It was right before Christmas in the year 1980. I was window shopping in downtown St. Cloud. And my little boy, our oldest, Daniel, was with me. And he pointed to a Santa in a store window and asked me, Who is that? Well, I noticed in my peripheral vision a lady standing nearby, but I ignored her, and I gave Daniel what I, what I thought 
was an honest and appropriate answer. I said, a fat man in a red suit. Well, no sooner had I said this than the lady scowled at me as if I'd done something wrong. And she walked away, clearly disapproving of how I was exercising my office as a father. Well, what did I do? I dissed the signs of her religion. You see, Santa may be a myth, but he is a sign of something very real. He gives presents to the good little boys and girls. So that, let us do good so that we will get gifts for doing so. Santa symbolizes this spirit of giving. Give! Show that you're a person of goodwill. Because Christmas is all about human efforts to work for peace, to display goodwill. Santa's one of the good guys. And the Grinch is one of the bad guys. Since I didn't honor Santa, the lady must have assumed that I was allied with the Grinch. But what did the angel say to the shepherds? He didn't direct the shepherds to find peace and goodwill within themselves. No, they were directed to objective signs that could be located outside themselves. They were told to find peace in their devotion to God, their acts of charity, or any else, anything else they could or should do. No, they were directed to a person, a baby, a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. God became a man to humble himself, and in his humility, he established peace on earth and brought his goodwill, his favor to men. But this biblical teaching of Christmas is just too radical. Peace and goodwill toward men sounds like overdoing it a bit, as if God's peace and favor rest on the entire human race. So instead of translating the text, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, which is how to translate what most Greek manuscripts say, Modern translations render it something like this. Peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. Have you noticed that? From God's peace and goodwill toward everyone, we now have a truncated peace, a peace that is only for a select few with whom God is pleased. The doctrine of God's universal grace is stripped right out of the Bible. But the signs signify God's universal love, his grace toward all sinners in this sinful world. What did the angel say? He said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not most people, not a limited few with whom God is pleased, all people. When God became a man, he assumed the human nature of all humanity. He joined the flesh and blood of everyone everywhere. There is no one in this world for whom Jesus was not born. And there is no one in this world for whom he did not offer his life of obedience as a sacrifice to God. There is no one in this world for whom he did not die. He took away the sins of all. The peace and favor of God are for all. 
The source of Christian peace and goodwill is not the human heart. It's the heart of God. The signs are not the silly myths and cartoonish morality lessons of the popular culture signified by a fat man in a red suit. No, the sign is baby Jesus wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. He by whom all things were made lies in a manger made by men. He who sustains all life everywhere nurses at his mother's breast. Why? So that you would have a Savior. Now seek him in his signs today. The signs that identify the gracious presence of God among us are here at Trinity Lutheran Church. What are the signs? The signs are the purely preached gospel, the one baptism for the remission of sins, the absolution, the sacrament of Christ's body and blood. All of these signs identify Christ. He's no longer lying in a manger. He went to the cross to suffer and die and take away the sin of the world to provide for us the peace and divine goodwill announced by the angels. He rose from the dead and gave his church the signs. So gather here, dear Christians, come faithfully and bring with you all your sins and failures, your weaknesses and doubts, your pains and worries. Bring it all here and receive from God the peace of sin forgiven. Fill your hearts with the treasures of heaven. He whom the sea and wind obey doth come to serve the sinner in great meekness. Thou, God's own Son, with us art one, dost join us and our children in our weakness. Thy light and grace our guilty face, thy heavenly riches all our loss retrieving. Emmanuel, thy birth doth quell the powers of hell and Satan's bold deceiving. Thou Christian heart, whoe'er thou art, be of good cheer, and let no sorrow move thee, for God's own child in mercy mild joins thee to him, how greatly God must love thee. The world may hold her wealth and gold, but thou, my heart, keep Christ as thy true treasure. To him hold fast until at last a crown be thine and honor in full measure. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.